Hello, I'm Ryan, and you're listening to the Eurotrips podcast. Today's episode is one of two special edition episodes in which we talk all things boxing. The other episode is an NFL special hosted by our series regular Andy, and it has dropped this afternoon. So if any of our listeners are interested in NFL, please do have a listen. And those who aren't too familiar with the sport, tune into the end in which I ask some questions as a newbie myself. And uh, just to help myself familiarise myself with America's biggest sport. Now on to today's feature boxing episode. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Elliot Stott of the Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat platform, as well as Andrew McCart of IFL TV. Um, how was life, gentlemen? Good. <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> I've caught up in a little bit of sleep, which is good. So, yeah, like, like I can't, can't complain on my end. Yeah, all good here. Thanks. Uh, nice that the sun's nice that summer's arrived. Um, yeah, looking forward to the Euros as well, of course. Yeah, brilliant stuff, mate. Um, now, for any of our listeners that don't know Andrew or Elliot's platforms, I'll fill you in just a little bit quickly. Um, in terms of IFL TV, I mean, it speaks for itself. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, based uh, boxing-based YouTube channels in the world, amassing millions of views and featuring interviews with some of boxing's biggest names. Uh, Andrew himself is a reporter for the channel, amongst other things he does as well, and has earned himself a great reputation in the boxing community, both for his interviewing skills and boxing knowledge. And Elliot of the Eat Sleep Box and Repeat platform is also very uh, knowledgeable, and both his YouTube channel and Twitter page are fantastic for providing fight news interviews and great content in between. And it's an honour to have both here for our lowly but new platform um so yeah big thank you guys for joining me anyway and giving me your time no worries i just want to say i do, I do like that each sleep box with pete platform i didn't know it was Elliot that they done it so it's a pleasure to meet you Elliot. talk some boxing with you so it should be fun yeah no thanks andy that's someone from great to hear that from someone in your position now ifl is a platform i think platforms like esbr look up to and I've, yeah, big, big fan of yours and the content you provide as well. So thank you. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. I appreciate that. So. Brilliant. Right, we'll move on anyway to some quick fire questions anyway for um for both of you. I'll start with uh, Andrew first, and pretty simple one. I don't know if you can answer it, being in your position or not. Um, but it's just literally, who is your favourite current fighter? Oh, that's an easy one. Come on, Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor, my boy, <laughs> my boy Josh. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen, I've watched Josh from a from a teenager coming at that the, the old amateur. I used to box at as well. But Terry McCormack is is my our old amateur coach. I watched Josh come in at that gym, become Scottish amateur champion, won the Commonwealth game. Watched him win the gold medal of the Commonwealth Games. Watched him become Commonwealth champion, WC silver champion. You know what I mean? I watched them, then IBF, then Unify, Muhammad Ali Trophy, then Undisputed. So it's been it's been a heck of a journey for me personally just to watch Josh as a kid to become a man and then Undisputed. So it's 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 a per, it's a very personal one for me and it's it's an easy one for me just because of the relationship I have with Josh. He's a good friend of mine, um, and like I said, just watching somebody just as an amateur just couple of fights, well, 20 fights in or whatever it was to become Scottish champion and that was how delighted he was to become Scottish champion as an amateur. And then just seeing him progress, the stages 
of his career as a boxer and just seeing him progress, like I said, to become undisputed in 18 fights, man, it's just, I don't think it'll ever be done again. I don't think I'll ever meet anyone like Josh again that will do that. So for me, that that's an easy one. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think anyone will be surprised at my answer there. No, definitely not. <laughs> that's very understandable, though. And uh, yeah, I love the reasoning. But yeah, um, Elliot, on to you, mate. Yeah, probably an easy question for me as well. My favourite um, favorite fighter is Manny Pacquiao. Um, one of the main reasons is just his longevity. I remember being a kid and being, I'm in my late 20s now, but being kind of 13, 14 years old and watching highlights of him. Of course, like remember like the Ricky Hatton fight, like amongst various others. And yeah, just a big fan of his unorthodox style. I think he's unpredictable. Um, all the weight divisions he's gone through. I know he's lost a few, been stopped a couple of times. Um, but just to still be going now at what is he, 41, something like that now, is just yeah, just 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 remarkable. I think to be honest, I think he most likely will lose to Errol Spence and possibly will then retire. Kind of hope he does because he's been around for so long now. But yeah, he's my he's my favorite fighter for sure. As long as he doesn't get knocked out by Spence, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, I doubt, like I said, I, I'm a big Manny Pacquiao fan myself, to be honest. Um, I don't think anyone could physically dislike Manny for, for like you say, for everything he's done in the sport. I don't think, coming from where he's come from as well, um, I don't think anything like that will be, will be, will ever be matched, um, in my opinion, anyway. But yeah, no, that's, um, that's good stuff. Um, I mean, me personally, uh, I'd say, at the moment, my favourite current fight is probably Dylan White, just because I think his resume and his CV is you know, better than anyone else's at heavyweight at the moment. Um, maybe on a par with AJ's, but I just love his attitude and just how he is as a person. You know, he's not, you know, you don't really see him. He's not too flashy or anything like that. He's He seems like very down to earth and I like that. Um, he always seems to take the hard fight. So I hope he does take a slightly easier fight next. Um, just because I don't really want to see him get beat again. But yeah, uh, for me, that's that's my win anyway. But yeah, moving on. Mine is Roberto Duran, by the way. Just I just that was a fresh question. So Josh is my favorite fighter, but as a kid growing up and watching old fights and stuff like that, it was Roberto Duran. So I've got two, two, two fighters there for you. Another one that can't really be beaten as well. With that's, that's another great shout. Um, in terms of the next question, I have. Um, we'll start with Elliot this time, and that is your fight of the year so far. Yes, I had to. It's a t it's a tough one, but if I had to give you one answer, uh, fight of the year so far for me, um, Roman Gonzalez Chocolatito against Estrada. Mm. Um, obviously us UK fans would have stayed up until the early hours for that fight like we like we have to do on a regular basis um, but just fantastic I know obviously um, a lot of people thought uh, Gonzalez won the fight ends up losing it but for me it just didn't really matter who got who got ordered the fight it was, it was such it was such a fantastic fight and I really hope to get get to see the trilogy I think it was a fight could have happened in a in a phone box could have easily gone either way. Um, both fighters rocked, rocked a couple of times and it was, yeah, it was just the sort of fight. It was just kind of gutted when it finished would have happily, would have happily watched another, another few rounds. Um, and just for me, just an outstanding fight between two outstanding, between two outstanding fighters. Um, and just, as I've said, fingers crossed, we get to see the rematch. Really hope we do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope so. That, that was probably going to be my one, but I thought I'm going to think long and hard for something different because when you said that chocolatita, I was going to say that. I thought I want to say something different, but a fight that that really gripped me was the Baranchik versus Sapita fight out in Vegas, and there was something like five knockdowns before, but each scoring two knockdowns each before Baranchik got knocked out in the seventh or eighth round. I can't quite remember, but just that fight. But I mean, there was the amount of knockdowns there was. They were just hitting each other with everything but the kitchen sink and. Obviously, Sapita got the win against Baranchik there, but it's one of them fights where you didn't know what was happening. There was 10-8 rounds, 10-7 rounds, 10-8 rounds, 10-8 rounds. You're like, well, my scorecard's away now. I'm just <laughs> not, I'm not going to score this fight no more. So it was one of them fights that was difficult to score after five rounds because it was just knockdowns, knockdowns, knockdowns. But, yeah, that was one of the fights that I can that stuck in my memory for this year just because of the sheer greatness of both fighters, the knockdowns, and I was sitting on the edge of my seat watching it. Uh, one of them fights you stay up for. I, like, I... I I don't sleep much anyway, we've been quite jet lagged so hmm. of late. So I sort of like stay up and watch fights. So if I'm in the States, I'll watch them. So yeah, that's one of the Baranchik versus Sapita was a, a fight that stuck in my, my mind there. No, that's good. I mean, again, two, you can't really dispute either of them, to be honest with me. I mean, like, it's, I mean, it comes down to personal opinion for most people. Um, I think, you know, both of them two fights were brilliant and I enjoyed watching both. Um, for me, just, just because of how entertaining it was, um, Katie Taylor against Natasha Jonas for me was was exceptional and um, really put put. I mean, women's boxing's on the rise anyway, but I, I feel like that fight really stood out for me. And uh, it was just non-stop action; they just didn't stop from the first bell. And uh, yeah, that that's my choice anyway. Yep, but, definitely agree. Yeah, that's that's a fresh one. Yep. Right, moving on then to the third question, and that is knockout of the year so far. I will go to Andrew first again. You, you won't like this one then, uh, Ryan, you won't like this one, but I think the Vetkins knockout of Dillian White. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that was last year, in fact, wasn't it, damn it? Um, was it last year? It was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it was I think, yeah. Um, this year, I'd go for... Um, Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'll, give you, I'll give you a moment to think about it. I'll, I'll, I'll let see if Elliot's got come to one. Yeah, I had, I've got two, but like if I had to settle for one, um, uh, the Oscar Valdez knockout, Miguel mm. Burcho, I thought was outstanding. I remember going into that fight, was discussing with some of the other guys. We all felt like the bookies had a bit off, like Burcho was the favourite and I can't remember what the odds were exact were exactly. I don't know if you guys gamble, but the odds on a, a Valdez KO was something like seven to one, eight to one. Wow. And just really kind of went into it really confident. Went, yeah, was really confident. He was kind of not necessarily going to knock him out, but going to win on points. And just thought it was an outstanding, outstanding performance against a, another top fighter. And just to to win a world title in that, in that fashion, to kind of beat a guy up, in my opinion, for a few rounds and to stop him later in the fight in the fashion that he did. Um, was was fantastic for me. That's that's one that really that really 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 sticks in my mind. As a yeah, as a spectacular stoppage this so far this year. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, let's see if Andrew's come to one by now. I don't know. Maybe the the Sapida. I go back to that Sapida Baranchik fight. That just sticks in my head that my head this year. So I don't know. Like Sapida knocking out Baranchik. Like Baranchik didn't get up. It was one of them knockouts after all them knockdowns as well. Which I know it's quite a lazy answer, but. 
because it's so vivid in my mind, that fight, I can just remember that fight so vividly. And when I was on the edge of my seat, it's the, one of the, apart from like being ringside at a fight, that was the only time in a long time that when I'm sitting down in my living room on the edge of my seat, watching a fight and being like, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm agitated because I'm watching a great fight. So yeah, I'll probably go, the Cepeda one against Baranchik then. I think the a lot of people had that, that as knockout of the year from when it happened and that, but obviously the Valdez one against Burchell was a, a cracker as well. But I'm going to go for the Cepeda's one against Baranchik. A lazy answer, but again, it's just so vivid in my, my mind this year. So, um, yeah, that one. I can't say I blame you. It was a it was a cracker fight and it was a great knockout as well. So um, I don't think too many will call it, call it a lazy answer, but... Um, <laughs> I think for me, I'm going to be I'm going to be biased, and uh, although it was an, a brutal, brutal knockout for me, it was um, Gillian White's of Povetkin this year. You now he controlled the fight exceptionally well. Povetkin, I don't think ever looked like he was going to touch him, and um, yeah, it was just you know, a way to finish Povetkin's career like like that. For me, um, for me, that's that's my knockout of the year anyway, but. Yeah, it's my personal one. Um, all right, moving on then. So the next one is the best fight you've ever seen live. Now, this is not just technically on how good the fight was, but everything about it, the the atmosphere, the stadium, the crowd, just the whole event as a, as a whole. I don't know how many, obviously, I know, Andrew, you've been to many. I don't know how many fights uh, Elliot's been to live. Um but yeah, I'll uh, I'll go to Elliot first. Oh man, there's uh, a lot of the fights that I've been to. Um, I go to the small hall um, shows quite a lot, like Steve Goodwin shows, MTK shows at York Hall, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm trying to identify one of those that's really um that's really really stood out. But I think the answer I'm going to give you is one of the first shows I ever went to, which was the Froch Kesler rematch. Oh wow. Um, this was 2013, I think, and he was quite new to boxing. didn't didn't know too much. I was obviously really excited. Was really at, was 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 at the O2, and um, it was just didn't really know much about kind of the atmosphere. I'd always just gone to football matches, so boxing was something new for me. Um, kind of had heard of Mikel Kessler, but didn't know a lot about him. And then I remember a couple of nights before, watched the first fight and just thought it was unbelievable fight. Could have gone either way, and I think Kessler, thinking about that, probably deserved to win. So just kind of assumed we'd get a repeat of the first fight and um, and we did. And yeah, it was one of those 12 round fights that completely, completely flew by. And the atmosphere in the O2 was, yeah, was 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 incredible that night. So that was a pretty good, pretty good introdu- introduction to, to live boxing for myself. Yeah, no. I, I, I like Josh Taylor versus Regis Progress sitting there live watching that fight. I mean, it was two, that is a, two elite, not world-level fighters, two elite-level fighters. Like, the skill set that was on show, the inside fighting, two southpaws. You normally get two southpaws fighting against each other. They, they kind of cancel each other out because they jab over each other. And you, you can't really get a good fight between two southpaws because they don't, they don't do much sparring. You always fight sparring against an orthodox or your majority fighting an orthodox fighter. But to see two southpaws put on that display of skill and... Just the, the elite, if you watch closely the footwork and the inside fighting and that between two two of them was just something that I, I didn't I didn't pay attention to it watching it ringside because I was obviously cheering on Josh a little bit and stuff like that. But watching it back and enjoy trying to enjoy it with a subjective mind and looking at it and being like, wow, what what a fight that was. But there is one fight that for me 
it's not so much a, a great fight, but a performance from Jay Harris when he fought Julio Cesar Martinez out in Texas a couple of years ago. Um, I don't know if you remember that fight, but Jay Harris, the Welsh flyweight and that, the, he fought Julio Cesar Martinez. And I think he, he put on a, a great fight against somebody like, because Martinez is a little, a little bully. He's a, he's a beast mm. down there. And Jay put it on him. Um, he got dropped, but he, he got hurt a few times, but he showed how tough he was. And I just, after that fight, I thought, you know what? I've got a lot more, a lot of respect for Jay Harris and what a young fighter he is. And uh, and that was one of them fights that's, again, two, back in 2019, I thought that was a great fight. So that's that's two. That's one that not many people will pick, but it's one I'm picking. That's no, good, because um, it's going to be completely different to my answer. And it's going to be one of the most boring answers that you can get. But it was one of the first fights in fact I think it wasn't one of it was one of the first anyway it was um, AJ against Klitschko Wembley Stadium I mean that was just that it literally had everything you could want from a from a heavyweight fight night especially at Wembley you know the atmosphere was electric and you know the way he got the knockout as well was just I've never seen a crowd especially that big um, sort of you know go off just like they did and uh, yeah, for me, that was that's that's a fight that almost transformed boxing into what it was now. It's, it's, it's brought it, it brought, kind of brought it back to life, I feel, at the time anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of them for me. And then another one would probably be uh, Dylan White against Chisora too at the O2. That was a cracker. I mean, it always is between them two, but yeah, I can't think really of two uh, of too many other ones that I've seen live that. I, I know there's been loads of fights like like what Elliot was saying, like the MTK shows and like undercard fights at big events. And I'm like, there's there's been loads of fights that I've thought to myself they've been what a fight that was. But for the for the life of me, I, I can't think of them. I know there's been so many. Yeah. I know I've sat, I've, I've sat and spoke to people and said that was a great fight, but I cannot think of the fights. There's one fight that for me now springs to mind. I couldn't quite um remember the second fighter's name now, but um James um Jazza Dickens against Lee Wood. It was the golden contract semi-final. Um, I think it was just before COVID, like literally just like two weeks before we went into lockdown. And yeah, just an out, yeah, another outstanding fight. I remember um Tony was I was sitting near Tony Bellew, who was just screaming for, for, for most of the most most of the fight as well. And um, yeah, I thought Jessa Dickens won, but it was extremely close on the scorecards. But at times it looked like the fight was going to be stopped and then Wood managed to kind of hang on to the end of the round out. And yeah, Wood had his moments as well. I think Jazza Dickens was in was in trouble occasionally. But um that's there's others others will spring to mind as this conversation develops. But that's that's one fight that I look back on and think, yeah, it's fantastic. In York Hall as well, where the atmosphere is unbelievable. You can generate so much noise in such a small place. It's yeah, it's a crazy place. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, um I enjoy watching the MTK shows on uh, on YouTube when they're on. I really enjoyed the Golden Contract tournament as well. I thought that was absolutely brilliant because there's not really anything else apart from um, you know the other sort of big tournaments out there that you know apart from like the Muhammad, you know, obviously got um, the Muhammad Ali Trophy. Apart from that, there's nothing else kind of out there similar to that. So, uh, and I was quite impressed with the names that they actually got as well at the time and. Mm. Yeah, no, that was that was really good to watch anyway. But um, right, we, yeah, we'll move the conversation on anyway. And the next thing I want to sort of talk about is the 
the AJ Fury Wilder situation. Um, obviously, most viewers and most of our listeners, I think, will be quite up to date with it. Um, for those not up to date, I'll try and break it down as quickly and as easy as I possibly can. Um, basically, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, they had that first fight in which it was a controversial draw in many people's opinion. They moved on then for the rematch in which Tyson Fury, you know, absolutely destroyed Deontay Wilder. You know, didn't lose a single second of that fight, in my opinion. Uh, knocked him out quite brutally. And we all kind of thought that was the end of that. I never, ever imagined that there would be a third fight. And going on from that, AJ continued to win. He got his uh, rematch win over Andrew Ruiz Jr., and so everything looked like it was going to a AJ Fury mega fight. And it was all scuppered, unfortunately, because of an arbitration. Basically, Deontay Wilder felt that he was deserving of a third fight. Uh, Tyson Fury and his team obviously didn't. It went to an arbitrator who in, ruled in favour of Deontay Wilder. And, yeah, kind of ruined um, every British fight fan's dream for the moment anyway and so yeah we'll, we're now going to be looking at a Fury Wilder trilogy fight and it looks like AJ will be fighting Alexander Usyk at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in September yet to be confirmed but that is the rumour and so yeah I'm going to ask uh, both Elliot and Andrew their thoughts on the situation and you know as Eddie Hearn's been quite vocal as well about it he, you know, he kind of feels like Team Fury not necessarily Tyson, but maybe his team kind of knew about this the whole time because they were very dis you know, dismissive of this fight ever happening. Um, you know, Bob Arum and, and Frank Warren quite often sort of played down you know, the, the, the fight actually happening. So um, I'll go to Elliot first for his thoughts and what he thinks about it. Yeah, it's just messy, isn't it? I think I'm still coming to terms with the fact that we're not going to see Joshua Fury in in a couple of months, I think August 14th was the date that we were supposed to see it. Um, what can I say? I'm kind of, to be honest, probably would take the sides of Eddie, of Eddie Hearn, that it just felt like the Fury Wilder trilogy fight just got made very, very quickly after the Fury Joshua fight was, was, um, was called off. Um, so yeah, what can I say? Just extremely, extremely disappointed. And I feel like, whether the fight does happen in the future or not, I don't think it, I personally don't think it will be, it's going to be the fight that it would have been on August the 14th because either fighter I think could lose. This is, it's heavyweight boxing and thing can happen. Both fighters, neither of them are young fighters anymore. So in a year, 18 months time, you might find that one of them or both of them are past their peak, which you don't want to see that. You want to see these guys when, when they're, when they're at the, yeah, when they're at their best. And I don't think, in the year 18 months time that that might not happen um or you might have just a fighter retiring or for example if Joshua has a really tough fight with Usyk is he going to then fight fight Fury in December I don't think so personally um so it's all it's all it's all it's all very strange all very all very disappointing um and whether whether it whether we get an undisputed fight I don't know because there are mandatories and other things going on I think Going off topic slightly, I'm not really sure where this leaves Dillian White. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to be fighting for a world title. It's not going to be this year. I, I 
question whether it will be next year either to be honest yeah. um so yeah all, all all a big mess um if you were going to ask my prediction for joshua rusik and fury wilder assuming those fights happen next i think they both will win um fury and joshua but what happens next i don't know it's all up in the air i think it would be wrong to assume that we're definitely going to see fury joshua at the end of this year or beginning of next year yeah i'd be very surprised i'm very pessimistic now that it, that it will actually happen i think it's going to be one of those that sort of just drags on through time a bit similar to how sort of mayweather and pacquiao did back in the day you know they was always rumored to fight and it didn't happen and it didn't happen and then in the end it did happen but it was never going to be the fight it should have been and I don't think that will happen with AJ and Fury. I just now have a sort of bad feeling that it, it just won't happen. We won't sit and we'll be robbed of, you know, what would have been one of, if not the greatest sort of heavyweight fight of all time. But I don't know what uh, Andrew's thoughts on that sort of it is. Well, I've been lucky enough to spend some time with Eddie and Tyson mm. sort of the last few months to lead up that. And the, the sort of vibe I was getting from both of them that it was happening. So when it, the arbitrator, I was in Vegas when it happened, when the, the arbitrator, the news came through. So I, I spoke to Bob Arum about it and he said, listen, I'm a lawyer. Sometimes we get it wrong. So mm. he, he openly admit he got it wrong and he thought the arbitration, went, he would win that case, obviously in favour of, of Tyson, but he didn't. But I can see I'm disappointed as well because you, you've got two British heavyweights fighting for an undisputed. I mean, when, when, when will we get that again? If these two don't fight for the undisputed, then when will we get two two British heavyweights? I mean, we've got a good crop. We've got Dubois, Joyce. We've got Adelaide. We've got loads of good young heavyweights coming through from from the UK. But I don't. When, it's just one of them ones that we, we need to see it. And like Fury Wilder three isn't a gimme fight. I mean, Wilder's always got that right hand. Joshua Usyk isn't a gimme fight. Usyk's an Olympic gold medalist, undisputed champion at cruiserweight. He might be small, but he can dance around. Joshua for 12 rounds. Do you know what I mean? Pot shot him and that. You can put on, you can put on extra eight pounds to get the power and stuff like that. So these two fights coming up with Wilder Fury and Usyk Joshua aren't gimme fights. So we can't just sit here and be like, oh, get past A2 and then you can fight in December. Because yeah. like I said, there isn't gimme fights. Anything can happen in boxing. Do you know what I mean? We've seen Tyson get knocked down by Wilder twice in the first fight. And he got up, obviously, but... We've seen you. We've seen uh, Yusuf get hit with Chisora a few times and get on the back foot. He, he, he survived it. It's like, oh, I'm not saying that Chisora's got Joshua's power, but Chisora comes in with looping shots like that, which are hard to see and hard to defend against. Jo Joshua's more upright, straight shots, one two, one two, which will be easier for Yusuf uh, to see. So again, it's it's disappointing. It's almost heartbreaking for if you're a UK great uh, British fight fan, boxing fan, to not see this, because I've seen what that undisputed meant to Josh Taylor. You know yeah. what I mean? And go back to Josh, him becoming undisputed with the Ring Magazine, the WBC, WBO, IBF, and WBA belts. Nobody's better than him at 140. Nobody. There's no question. You can't argue. He is the number one guy at 140. You know what I mean? That, that's it. So who is the number one guy? You get, you're going to have AJ fans going this way. You're going to have Tyson Fury fans going that way. So who's the, who's the number one heavyweight in the world? We don't know. It's your opinion right now, but undisputed right now at 140, Josh, who's the best one what, super lightweight in the planet? Josh, we don't know about the heavyweight, so we need to see it. We better see it. Um, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I don't think we'll see it this year. I don't think we'll see it in uh, December. 
I think we'll probably, if, it, if Fury and, and Joshua get through their next fights, and hopefully they do, uh, we'll see it probably spring next year, I would say. One, yeah. one thing I'm interested to, to get both your opinions on is, obviously this is a massive fan, massive fight for casual fans. And I've got lots of friends who are casual fans, lots of colleagues who are casual fans. And the vibe I'm getting from them is that after months and months of gossip and talk, now the fight isn't happening for now. The interest has, I think, gone down a little bit with casual fans. And don't get me wrong, I think the vast majority of them will watch the fight if it happens in six months or whenever. But one thing I'm interested to discuss is, is it... Is there going to, will a lot of casual fans just kind of be over it and be fussed if it happens or not? Or do you think it will still be as big as ever if it happens in six months compared to if it was going to happen in, in August? Absolutely. Still, you know what? You know yourself, Billy. You, you follow the sport. Mm. All it needs is one crazy outburst from Tyson Fury at a press conference with Joshua. You know what I mean? To, and then Sky Sports News, BT Sport, ESPN, everyone jumps on that. It just needs. A little bit of back and forth, like a face-to-face where they push each other. It just needs a little bit of... That kindle's there. Mm. All it just needs is that spark, and then boom, the fire's there. Do you know what I mean? The kindling's right there. All the, all the fire in the wood's all set. We just need a little flame, a little spark to come in and ignite it. And I think the first face-off or the first press conference, that'll ignite that fire, that wouldn't ignite it. So, um, yeah, I think... <sighs> It's died down right now because we're not getting it. Everyone's like, well, all right, okay, we're down in the dumps. The Euros are here, so people are going back to football. The casual fans are going to concentrate yeah. on Scotland beating England, obviously. So that's what we're hoping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that's, I think, it's died down because the Euros are here. The casual fans are going back to football because the Euros. But as soon as the first face-off, the first press conference, the spark will be there, then it'll ignite the fire, and then we're back to where we were. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah no, I, th- I think... I, th- I think I agree. I just think at the moment, I think you're getting some people who are saying, oh, well, I can't be asked now. It's just going to go on forever and ever. But when it comes down to it, the chances of those people having something better to do on a Saturday night, I think is unlikely. So I think when it comes down to it, people will watch it. But I just think, as you said, people are a bit down in the dumps about it at the moment. Yeah, I think the trouble as well with the casual fans as well is they don't, I don't think many of them grasp how long it takes for a fight of that magnitude to be made. You know, I think when they sit there and they think, oh, you know, it's going on for months and months, so you've got obviously people asking Eddie and Frank, you know, when's there going to be an announcement? When's it happening? And you know, they're saying, oh, we're in a couple of weeks' time, this and that. No, I don't think the, the, the casual fans sort of quite understand that. I mean, hardcore boxing fans like ourselves, you know, we, we're used to it in a, in, a, in a sense. And I think a lot of them will be confused and won't really know what's going on, especially to see how quickly that trilogy fight has been made. I mean, I don't know if they if, if they've used you know terms from the second fight or the first fight or however it's worked, or if they sort of planned it as a you know contingency. Well, in the the rematch clause was in the the, the second fight, so there, there would have been a contract maybe there already because of the rematch clause was already there. So we know that Tyson is getting a sixty forty split. In this trilogy, it goes 50 50 the rematch and then 60 40 for the, the trilogy, the, the rubber match. So, yeah, yeah, the contract was already written out in the contract for the second fight. It was just a case of dots and T's and dots, done on dot and I's and crossing T's, or whatever you want to say, is for this yeah. one. Do you know what I mean? So, um, 
yeah, I think it was easier to, for this contract to be ironed out because of it was all it was half written already in the in the rematch one. So yeah, I think it was always uh, it was no question it was always going to be in America, most likely Las Vegas anyway. So I think that's definitely why you know they picked um, Vegas. That's, again, that's answering that question as well as as to why it's been announced so quickly. I think, but yeah, I mean, I mean, most you know definitely the um, you know people similar to us. You know, hardcore boxing fans will be sick and tired of talking about it, sick and tired of hearing about it now. They'll want to move on to the next fights until you know we get that glimmer of hope that it will happen again. But yeah, um, I want to move on anyway. And uh, the next sort of topic would be a topic that I know Andrew definitely like, um, and that is uh, Josh Taylor and his pound for pounds ranking where. We all feel he ranks, whether it's in the top ten or the top five. Um, I'll go to Andrew first because I, I imagine he's um, dying to answer it anyway. So, well, he's top five in a lot of people's. He, he, I've seen a lot of like ESPN and I think um, I think the Ring magazine is number five, and then it's Spence, Usyk, Crawford, and Canell. Hmm. That's sort of five. But then I always say to people, I says, "What's what's." Who and what has Errol Spence done that Josh hasn't beaten? What's he done? Like he's a unified world champion, correct? But he's he's beat Sean Porter in a fight. He's he, I, like I don't know. I just feel like the 136 and one record of his last six opponents for Josh when you fought guys like Regis Progre, Baranchek, Victor Postel, and that one loss was Terence Crawford, by the way, just for people to know. But the, the 136 and one of his last six opponents, the combined record, that one loss was Terence Crawford. So and then he's unified the division in 18 fights. So I've got that sort of thing where I don't mind. He's top five for me, but I'm sort of like Swetherman. Why people have Earl Spence above him in pound for pound when if you look at the resumes and the titles and, and stuff like that, I'm like, well, I would have him number four. That's just me. <laughs> I, I, I I totally agree. I mean, uh, I do like Earl Spence. But, oh, I do like Errol Spence as well, yeah. Like, but I'm just sort of like that top that then top five guys. I'm thinking I'm always saying like Spence is always above Josh, and I'm sort of like I always ask myself the question why. Like I'm looking at the resumes, I'm looking what who's done what, I'm looking at the, the opponents they've faced, the number number one in the division, Josh has faced them, the, the number then they forced number one in the division again in Jose Ramirez, we just broke great. Two number ones at the time, they were the number one guys in the division right, at the time that he fought them. Uh Undefeated champion, he beat Baranchek. Do you know what I mean? So, and I'm, I'm like, then he's undisputed in 18 fights, 136 and one combined record. I'm, I'm, I don't, I like Errol Spence. He's definitely pound for pound top five, but I'm, I sometimes I've got a question why people have him above Josh. That's, that's all. But everything else, Canelo, Crawford, you say, I, I can't argue. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. I mean, um, the top four. For me, same. I would have uh, Canelo, Crawford, um, Usyk, then Josh, then probably Errol Spence, depending on how he performs against Manny Pacquiao. Because obviously, I believe it will be his first fight back since his uh, car accident. If I'm not mistaken. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how good he he is. Obviously, he's been out of the ring for such a long time. Um, so it'll be interesting, especially in, in against someone. Who, as experienced as Manny as well. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, um, yeah, we'll see what 
Elliot thinks of the situation as well. Yeah, um, no, I'm not going to argue with Andy. I think he'd um, march down from Scotland if I, if I did argue, <laughs> argue with him on this one. But um, no, I honest opinion. Yeah, I think it's hard to leave Josh Taylor out of the top five now. I think it's I've, I really struggled to kind of come up with a pound for pound list because what do you base it on? I find it difficult to compare Tyson Fury to Terence Crawford, for example. Yeah. But what really impresses me about what Josh Taylor's done is what he's achieved in the time that he's been a pro for and just his ladder to the top has just been so quick. And just, yeah, I think because of that, I think he brought, I think, I think he does pip Errol Spence. Errol Spence is a fantastic fighter, arguably the best welterweight in the world. But for me, that one thing that I struggle with is the fact that Errol Spence and Crawford, both undefeated, both in the same weight division, and that fight hasn't happened and it doesn't look like it is going to happen. Yeah, so, in my opinion, to be in the top, to be like one of the top pound for pound fighters, first of all, you need to be the best fighter in your division. Yeah. And I don't think anyone can say 100% Crawford or Spence are the best fighters in their division. That's just my opinion. Whereas, as Andy's like touched on, you can, you can say that about Josh Taylor. You can't really argue against that. Um, same with Fury and Joshua. Until one of them is 100% the best heavyweight in the division, you can't put them in that argument of top, of top five fighters. Um, so it's, it's, it's a real tricky one. I'm sure we could probably debate this subject alone for hours, but Josh Taylor's def definitely in the top five. Canelo is my number one, as I'm sure he is with, with a lot of other people as well. Um, but yeah, it's how you can leave Josh Taylor out the top five. It's a struggle for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you can do that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think it'd be hard place to find someone that hasn't got Canelo at number one. Um, it moves on nicely to, to my next question actually. And that is, um, do either of you think that there's any current fighter around Canelo's weight class, whether it's a weight class above or below, that has any realistic chance of beating him? I mean, I always felt um, Billy Joe had had probably the best chance to beat him. And I thought he put up a fantastic fight, and it, it was just you know un incredibly unfortunate that he got hit with a shot like that. And yeah, I mean, I don't. I can't see anybody at the moment being him. You know, my dad, um, you know, he's, he's he's in the same sort of thing. He's a big Caleb Plant fan, but even he doesn't think, you know, he sort of has it what it takes to be him. I don't know what either of you think. Well, I, I, I told you my favourite fighter growing up was Roberto Duran because I love the fact that Roberto uh, Duran started at lightweight and even all the way up to, to middleweight to fight guys like Marvin Hagler and you know what I mean, like Leonard and all that, even though Leonard fought him down at lightweight as well, but he stepped up to fight Tommy Hearns and all these guys that were just twice his size, and I just like that that fighter's mentality, like, you know what, if I want to be the best, I'm going to go up to there and see if I can beat that guy. Now, with Canelo, I think the only thing that beats him is, and if nobody's beating him, nobody at 160's beating him, so at 175, you could probably argue maybe Berta Biev, just because of size and the power that he possesses. And you see that Canelo likes to stand sort of like with that high guard sort of thing sometimes in the pocket. He has got a good head movement and good upper body movement and good footwork and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Maybe size would beat Canelo and maybe Berta Biev. But, gee, I don't know, man. I've watched that guy live the last three fights, Cam Smith. Um, Yildrum and then Billy Joe Saunders and just seeing them up, just when you see them up close and personal and you can see the footwork and the, 
the slight wee slips and the, there's just the movement and the touches, the parries, abs and stuff like that. It's guy's just special, a special, special man. He's just a, he's unbeatable at the moment. But if to answer your question, I don't know size and maybe about to be a, up at one seventy five. Cruiserweight's just too. Can ask about cruiserweight. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a that's a step um, too far. I mean, if he was a couple of years younger, I think Golovkin would have mm. a would have a fantastic chance. I feel. Personally, like he won the first fight, uh, second fight was was probably Canelo's. But yeah, I think, you know, um, G, Triple G is I think too too old now to to really do anything now. But um, you know, I don't know if Elliot has anyone. Um, I think the short the short answer is no. I think um, I was one of these people who thought that um, Billy Joe Saunders actually had a decent chance of pulling it off um, last month. Um, but I think the problem that Saunders had and the problem that Callum Smith had is they're just, they fought, they fought Canelo at the wrong time. They fought him at a time when it just feels like he's in his prime now. And it just feels like he's very competent fighter, very powerful fighter. And yeah, I just, I don't think there's anyone, there's certainly nobody at super middleweight, um, at the moment. I think what would be interesting would be if he moved back down to middleweight. I don't personally think he'll do that just because I think he's been away from that weight division for a while. But if he was to do that, the fights against Jamal Charlo, Andrade, those fights really interest me. I don't think either of them would beat him, but I would 100% want to watch them or want to see those fights. But as I said, is he going to come up to um, go back down to middleweight? Probably not. And is he going to move up to light heavyweight soon? Probably not, to be honest, maybe in a couple of years. Um but personally, I think he's just going to continue to clean up at super middleweight, hopefully fight, fight Caleb Plant, maybe fight kind of a big name at super middleweight um, next year before, before, before next steps. But yeah, in, in short, don't think he's getting beaten anytime soon. No. And I, I'm going to touch on Billy Joe Saunders, man. He, he was doing burn up until that shot. I, I believe it. I mean, it, was, it looked like Canelo was looking for that uppercut from the first round. You see, he threw it. When Billy Joe Billy Joe dipped, you see him throw it, but pull back on it, saying that it's not ready yet. And then he was looking. So you got to give Canelo credit for that shot. But I believe that Billy was uh, he was in the fight. And if it wasn't for that shot, which is obviously the ifs, buts, and maybe's and stuff like that, but he, he was in the fight. He was doing everything that he was asked to do. He was on the back foot, pot shot, and stuff like that, winning rounds here and there. So yeah, I will give Billy credit, but you can't take nothing away from Canelo because I, if you watch the fight back, watch. I just threw that uppercut and missed and then landed it in the seventh. If you if you if you just pay attention to that shot, you looked for it in the first round and then landed it in the seventh. So it was obviously a game plan and a tactic that he was going with and he, he executed it with perfection. So well done to Canelo on that fight. Yeah, it was for me it was, it, it was an exceptional performance from Canelo, Canelo just because personally it's it's the best I've ever seen Billy Joe look in a fight as well. I mean we know it sort of takes the big fights sort of to get the best out of him anyway. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen him in better shape. And no. the way he sort of just came into the ring, he, he looked so confident. And I, I don't think, apart from Canelo, on that performance, I don't think there's anyone else around that weight class that could have beaten Billy Joe on the night. Um, you know, people will beg to differ, but... Yeah, it was it was gutting as a as a British fight fan and as a fan of Billy Joe's as well to see it happen. But as you say, for um for Canelo, he as you say he does look unbeatable at the moment, and uh, you know 
I think Eddie's done a done a good job promoting him as he does with most of his fighters. You know, he's definitely getting his name out there. And it'd be nice to see him actually sort of go and fight in different countries. Hopefully he comes to the UK and, and has a big fight. I think that'd be exceptional. A bit similar to uh, how Lomachenko came over a couple of years ago. And uh, you saw the sort of fanfare, you know, just around him at the time. And, yeah. you know, it's brilliant to see. But, yeah, I mean, moving on again. Um, on your guys' thoughts on currently the most exciting weight class out there at the moment. Um, for me, for me, it's, it's, it's lightweight. I, you yeah, know, easy. easy. It's, it's one of those easy questions. And so, you know, the fighters that they've got in that, you know, division at the moment is just unbelievable. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if either of you have any quandaries with that, but. Nah, I, I got, I interviewed Teofimo Lopez and then Haney out in Vegas. And it's like, gosh, man, if you used to fought, it'd be amazing. But then you chuck in Javante Davis. I know he's fighting Barry also at 140, but. You're chucking Javante Davis down at 135. You're chucking Ryan Garcia. Luke Campbell's still there. Shakur Stevens is, th- is toyed with the idea of coming up at 135 because obviously his gym mates with Jamel Herring and he's mandated for Jamel Herring. So he's toyed with the idea of coming up to 135 up at lightweight. So you're chucking Shakur Stevenson who's in and around that weight class. Do you know what I mean? All these guys at 140 as well. There's I, I spoke to Gary Cully tonight on a Zoom interview uh, I don't know if you know Gary Cully, six foot two, WBO European champion, six foot two, mm-hmm. Southpaw, bang a little bit. And I, I said to him about the lightweight division. We both of us said it's the sexy division. It's the sexiest division in boxing right now in terms of the skill set and the talent that's on display for us. And I mean, you could have that, like the, the Duran, Hearns, Hagler, and Leonard type thing, the four kings with these guys, Javonte Davis and all that. If they all fought each other twice and lost and won and done this and had rubber matches, then Boxing is the winner. Boxing will be the best sport on the planet, hands down. Because you've mm. got the best four guys that are in their prime. They're all, what, 21, 22, 23 years old. Do you know what I mean? They can fight each other four times up until the 30. We can see mat- like great great fights, great rematches, grudge, mat- grudge, mat- grudge matches. So, yeah, to answer your question, lightweight is, for me, easily the, 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 the exciting and best division in boxing at the moment. Lomachenko's still there. Why am I forgetting about Lomachenko? He's still at 135 as well. Do you know what I mean? He's fighting Nakatani. That's not an easy fight for Lomachenko. I mean, Nakatani's a great fighter as well at 135. Yeah, 135. So, do you know what I mean? The division's just, it's sexy. There you go, see it. I was was waiting to jump in there and throw throw his name at you as well because I love Loma. I think he's exceptional and... It was unlucky, I think, in, in the Tiafimo Lopez fight. I mean, Tiafimo was brilliant as well. And I'd like, you know, I'd like to see Loma against uh, whether he, you know, rematches Tiafimo or not. I don't know. But even against Haney or Javonta Davis, you know, the, the list of fighters is just endless for that division at the moment. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get Elliot's thoughts on it as well. Yeah, no, you can't can't disagree. I, I think it's the best. It's the it's the most exciting division by by a distance. I was kind of racking my brain cells whilst um whilst Andy was answering to see if I could come up with an argument, but there's nothing that really comes close to it. Um, the only point I would really add to it is that for this division to be truly exciting, these all these undefeated young fighters they do need to fight each other, and I was kind of hoping this was the year when we were going to see that. 
Mm. And I don't know, are any of those guys going to fight each other this year? Quite possibly not. And it gets to a point where, you know, Lopez, Davis, Haney, they're world champions. They're not, pro you know, in my opinion, when you're a world champion, you're, you're not, you can't really be called a prospect, even if you are young. So surely we're going to have to see them fight each other soon. When they do, it will be amazing. And I can't, I'd struggle to, to, to really call any of any of those fights, to be honest. They're all, they're all outstanding fighters. Um, but yeah, it's just about seeing the fights. I think if I was being greedy, it would be nice to kind of to throw a British guy in the mix. I still highly rate Luke Campbell. I wouldn't mind seeing Luke Campbell against Devin Haney, for example. That's a, that's a, that's a fight I'd like to see. You never know. Maybe we maybe we will. If, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic division. But need to see the fights. Just really, really hope we get to see see those fights in the next twelve months. I think that's that's, that's a fight that is I think starting to brew as well. Um... Luke Campbell against Devin Haney. They've had a sort of bit of back and forth on Twitter already and obviously both under Eddie Hearn as well. So to fight that could easily be made because, as you say, you know, eventually, you know, those guys, if they keep winning, they're going to run out of opponents sooner or later. So they're going to have to fight each other. That It's incredible how, how young they all are. Mm. And, you know, to, to what they've achieved, at, you know, already is just, it's unreal. So I think, as you say, boxing, for that for that division, I think is is well and truly covered for you know the next few years at least. But yeah, no, that's that's good to see. But um, I'm going to end it with one question to both of you, and that is your your up and coming fighter, the, the guy that you think is the next, not necessarily the next Anthony Joshua, but the next superstar who maybe hasn't quite been talked about as yet, or maybe he has been talked about, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's British. He could be from, you know, any nation. Um, I don't know if you want a moment to think about it or if you know one off the top of your heads. Mm, well, I, I, I want to see Lee McGregor and Cash for it, being that I'm Scottish and be to shout about up here because I'm not going to be disappointed at these Euros this year. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the pessimist. But for for young young two young Scottish fighters in Cashbrook and um, Lee McGregor, I don't think they're going to be pound for pound stars, but they're definitely going to be superstars in their own right. But if I go to America, there's a young fighter called Ray Ford out there. He drew his last fight, but the skill set on that young man as well, and the attitude he's got in terms of wanting to fight the best. And then you've got that Edgar Belenga as well out in the states. His knockout ratio is unreal. Um, 18 first round knockdowns and stuff like that. So. You've got these guys that are going to come out. That Berlanga reminds me of that Teofimo Lopez type thing. And I watched Teofimo Lopez on Mick Conlon's undercard when he debuted in Madison Square Garden. And I didn't think, I thought, oh, he's a good fighter. But now, three years down the line, four years down the line, look at him. Do you know what I mean? Just beat Lomachenko. So I think that Berlanga, Berlanga, he's got that sort of attitude about him as well. So he's definitely one to watch out for. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Uh, you know, one thing to note on that as well is that Every time, whether it's on TV or whether it's actually live there and then, you know, every fight that I've witnessed um, up north, whether it's been in Scotland at the Hydro or whether it's been in Newcastle or Manchester, I always find as well, you know, the atmosphere is just incredible. And it seems like, you know, the more north you are, the more of a, you know, eccentric atmosphere you get. And... Yeah, that's just you know a little thought just to oh, it's colder. Need to keep warm. 
<laughs> it might be that, you never know. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to Elliot and see if he's got a name to throw in there. Yeah, I've got I've got two names that's good. I've got two British fighters. I think one's one's a bit well known than the other. Um, there's a there's a young super bantamweight called Chris Bork who. He's only nine and zero. He's fought in BT Sport a couple of times. Um, so Frank Warren fights. He's um, fought. He fights at the Peacock Gym. So obviously quite a famous gym in London. Um, had a really good, really good amateur career. And what I like about him is I just I think he can do. I think I think he's got. I think he's got a lot a lot to offer. He can. He's, he's gone, gone the distance. He's gone ten rounds in a in a Southern Area fight, which was a great fight. He can really punch. He can in the last fight he stopped his opponent in the second round. And yeah, I just think he's a talented, talented fighter. I'm not going to kind of big him up too much and put too much, too much pressure on him. But um, he's someone who has kind of taken my attention the last, the, the, the last, the last couple of years. And he's always comes across really well. So he's someone who I'd like to see, um, who I'd like to see do really well. And yeah, he's on. I think he's once a WBC Intercontinental belt. One, one of those, one of those belts. You probably know what, I'm, what I mean. Um, and yeah, someone someone to look out for. Um, the other fighter who's probably yeah more well known is Michael McKinson, who um, of course beat Chris Congo on the undercard of Dillian White Povetkin two um, a couple of months ago. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's just I've gone to I'm a big um, go to York Hall quite a lot, report on shows there. And I've seen him fight at York Hall I think three times, and always done really well he's not much of a puncher so he's always kind of always seems to go go the distance although he knocked congo down in in their fight so he can clearly punch a little bit um but i think it was just great to see him on the big stage not only on the big stage a couple months ago but to perform and and get the win against against a good fighter in chris congo and yeah he's someone who kind of sit see we'll see, see how far he goes i think another thing about about him he's from portsmouth where you don't really get shows. Obviously, you get shows in London, Manchester, Liverpool, Glasgow, but um, big boxing in Portsmouth isn't isn't really a thing. I think that's something he could bring to that to that city. Um, so yeah, two names, both um, both worth checking out if if you've got the time. Yeah, no. I'm gonna give, give Gary Collier a shout out. The six foot two lightweight MDK and Dalton Smith as well. Those mm. people probably say sports, but Dalton Smith and Gary Collier are not two names to watch out for. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, my one's a bit boring because it's not really. I don't know if you can class him in this in, in this category anymore because of his win last time. But for me, it's it's Connor Ben. I think he is the next the next big um, next big name, definitely in British boxing. Um, I feel like he's overtaken, you know, other names you know around around the area now. And an interesting thing as well is that. I don't know if either of you have seen it on uh, on Twitter today. Um, Eddie Hearn had a picture taken with a on a train, and a photo yeah, of yeah. Boy Camp was 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 leaked. And uh, I see on on one of those shows, Conor was headlining. I forget who he was fighting now, um, off the top of my head. But I think it was a guy. I think the guy's name is Adrian Granados. Um, yeah. I don't know much about him, but I remember. Yeah, I remember. I know the tweet that you're talking about, and I've seen. I've seen. That I've one. seen. Him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I don't know if Eddie done that. I don't think he done it on purpose, but I think if he didn't, it's uh, he'll be a bit red faced about it. But yeah, I think for, for me, you know, I, I loved watching Conor Ben even from his first couple of fights because he was so he was so raw 
in the mm. in how we thought he was just going, you know, all out. And you know, obviously, one or two fights, it it almost backfired massively for him. Um, thankfully, it didn't. But he's just progressed and progressed and progressed every fight. And the way you know he won his last fight was just I don't think anybody um, anticipated what he was going to do. And for me. As you say, it looks like his next fight's set up anyway, but I'll be interested to see how quick Eddie moves him. And yeah. Yeah. he obviously hasn't really got an amateur, he hasn't got an amateur background or you know, amateur pedigree, but you can see how incredibly hard he works. You know, all the guys from, from that gym, like Ted Cheeseman as well, you know, another guy you know, I'm a big fan of as well. But yeah, for me, I, I, can't, I can't really um, look, look past him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think one thing one thing that kind of Ben's shown a lot of people is that it is possible to improve as a young fighter. I think he was probably what 20, 21 when he turned pro. A lot of people just thought he just was was okay, but not great. And I think a lot of people just thought it was um it was it was gonna come soon when he was just gonna get chinned and that was gonna kind of his career was gonna die down. But he's just improved massively. And I think it just shows with the right kind of with the right fights and with the right team and with a bit of patience, you can like you, you, you can improve as a young fighter, maybe not improve as much as, as he has, but no, I think he's gone from a lot of people thought British title level to someone who could, who's kind of going to, could, could be in the top 10 welterweights in the next year or so. So he's, he's, he's improved massively. And I think another thing about him, he's, he's an exciting fighter. You're not, you're not, you're unlikely to get a boring fight with Conor Ben. I think that that's for sure. So no, he's, you can see why he's so popular. Exactly that. Um, you know, one last name just to throw in the mix as well. Um, Campbell Hatton, uh, you know, his name pretty much says it all, to be honest with you. I mean, hasn't shown too much in his first couple of fights, but I think that was to be expected. But, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how he goes in his next few fights as well. And again, I don't think Eddie will move him quick at all. I think it'll be slow and steady um, for Campbell. But another one I'm, I'm, you know, very intrigued to see. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, for anyone as well who is interested, obviously you've got Lewis Richardson fighting at the weekend on Sky Sports against Ezekiel Ponce. I think that'll be a, an excellent fight. Lewis Richardson, another fighter who I love watching. And you now I'll get um, both guys' predictions on that fight quickly. Uh, I like Lewis is a friend of mine, so. <laughs> I'm going to say Lewis Ritson. I'm just going to say, um, he's got the Newcastle crowd behind him again. Yeah. Uh, we've seen what he did against Robbie Davis Jr. when the crowd got him. I mean, the Patera fight, he, he openly admitted himself that he'd done the weight wrong, he'd done the training wrong, he'd done everything wrong for that fight, which he's taking the blame for himself. He can't really do anything about that fight. But the way he approached the, the Robbie Davis Jr. fight and when the crowd were sort of screaming for him to come on and stuff like that. You know, he bit down his gum shield and he, and he was he just went for it. So I think maybe a thousand fans, but a thousand Jordies can be can sound like a ten thousand Jordies. So yeah. I'm gonna say Lewis Ritz and I think this is his time. He's 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 he knows what to do. So I, I think Lewis Ritz will get it. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd go for Lewis Ritson as well. I think what I'm interested in is how he reacts to the Miguel Vasquez fight because although it says that he won the fight, I think the vast majority of boxing fans would disagree with that and this might not be a popular opinion but I just I wonder if deep down he thinks he won that fight or if he perhaps knows that um, 
it just yeah judge's decision went went his way but no big fan of lewis ritson um yeah. i've had a look at ponce i think i think he's a decent fighter i don't think he's come across i think he's got a bit of a padded record if i'm honest with you um so yeah i, I expect i expect ritson to to come out on top on on saturday night I think Ritson as well, Elliot, is is probably one of the most honest guys, man. Like he, I, when he, when he talks about fighting Josh Taylor, he, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll come out second best. So I think mm. deep down, the way Ritson is and the way Lewis is, I think that he knows he'll probably, he lost that fight probably. Do you know what I mean? But he, yeah, I think he knows he lost that fight. So I think even though he's got that W on his record, like you said, he's going to go back to the drawing board and say, listen, I lost that fight. I'm openly honest about it. So I'm going to have to go back rewrite them wrongs, do it again, and show up my next performance was against Ponce. And I think that's what we've seen, because we've seen that against Patera. He came out and he, he won his last two fights after Patera as well. So he keeps on going back, doing what, look what he done wrong. Going, and he is an honest guy. He's, he's one of the most honest guys. So he, if you asked him honestly, if you had a one-on-one -on -one with him, had a coffee with him and said, Lewis, did you win that fight? I'd probably say no. Yeah. And I think also, as you mentioned, great performance against Robbie Davis Jr., with fans and then not a great performance against Vasquez without fans. And I don't think that's the coincidence. So she said, even with 1000 fans, I do expect, um, do expect a better performance. And I, yeah, I do honestly think that's going to be good enough to, to win. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. I, I hope and I think that Lewis uh, Richardson will win. And as you say, it's, it's always refreshing to see as well. A fighter who is honest like that, especially if he puts a bad performance in, and you know he gets a win that perhaps he shouldn't have done. But you know, I, I like guys like that who are honest with their performances and who do, you know, you know, sort of hit themselves on the head, you know, after the fight and say, you know, what, you know, what the fuck was I doing? But yeah, ultimately, um, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. Um, I don't know if either of you guys want to want to plug anything. Uh, you know, by all means. No, no. It's just an absolute pleasure to meet you guys, Ryan Elliott. Pleasure to meet you. It's like a e-sleep boxing ESBR man. I've seen you on Twitter all the time. Everyone that follows me retweets your stuff and that. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. You're smashing it. Same with you, Ryan. Keep, keep smashing this podcast stuff, man. Uh, and uh, yeah, good luck to both of you, man. Pleasure to meet you both. Yep, yeah, same with me. Really, um, really enjoyable time um, discussing discussing what we discussed and. Yeah, no, really, really enjoyed it. No, thanks, thanks for both your time. It's been been a real pleasure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned at the start, um, exceptionally grateful for both your time, um, especially being a new a new podcast and a new uh, channel as well. It's not always easy to get, um, you know, people with good followings and big reputations like you know you both have. So, again, really appreciate your time. Um, thank you very much for both of you coming on. And, you know, I've really enjoyed it. Been a great chat, and uh, yeah, you know, hope both um, both are well as well for the future, and hopefully we do it again one day. Awesome! Thanks yeah. very much, mate. Hey, thanks very much, guys. All the best, guys. Take care. Take care. Bye.